This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, it's David Avron with the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. So what does prosperity mean to you? Coming out of a pandemic where scarcity ruled the conversations, right? Scarcity of products, scarcity of employees and more. How do we make that shift as business owners, as consumers, as entrepreneurs? How do we shift to a growth mindset and tap into the pent-up demand for goods and services and connections and more? Well, my guest today is Randy Gage. He spent decades as a powerful voice for prosperity, as a primary driver for a healthy, positive, and abundant life. He says that you can have gratitude for all that you do and all that you have, and yet still have more, um, more passion and desire and capacity to do, have, and become more. I'm talking today to the incomparable Randy Gage. It's David Avern on the Customer Experience Advantage podcast back in 20 seconds. You're listening to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Avrin, featuring candid conversations with some of the most influential leaders in business today. Sit back and listen in, or feel free to watch the video version online. This is the Customer Experience Advantage podcast, and here's David Avrin. Hi, it's David Avrin. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting time. There's sort of a dichotomy right now in conversation. There's some who are still waiting for the next shoe to drop, waiting for the next pandemic variant, and others who have the, the gas pedal to the floor, who are recognizing there's phenomenal opportunities. Some of those created during the pandemic when some businesses fell by the wayside. We saw others consolidation and strategic acquisitions and others as well. But we really have this interesting duality right now. And uh, my guest today, Randy Gage, has been a push forward, positive voice for uh, for so long. And I've been a fan and and uh, and a new friend for for some time. I mean, it's just um, watching him uh, inspire audiences around the world. Let me give you a quick bio, and then we'll check in with him specifically, um, and we'll talk about the business climate today. We'll talk about the business environment. Randy Gage is a thought-provoking, critical thinker who will make you approach your business and your life in a whole new way. Randy is the author of 14 books translated into 25 languages, including Mad Genius, a manifesto for entrepreneurs, Risky is the New Safe, and his recent worldwide bestseller, Radical Rebirth. He's spoken to more than 2 million people across more than 50 countries and is a member of both the Speaker Hall of Fame and the Direct Selling Hall of Fame. And when he's not prowling the podium or locked in his lonely writer's garret, you'll probably find him playing third base for a softball team somewhere, which means... The dude has an arm. He's got a gun because that's what you need at third base. My daughter was third base varsity all state in Colorado. Um, got to the point where I was afraid to even play catch with her because I'm like dodging my head because <laughs> she was so freaking strong. Randy, thanks for taking the time and being on the show. And thanks for knowing that third basemen have cannons. <laughs> You gotta yeah, have a gun. And actually, yeah. I'm on a team right now where I'm wasting that arm because I'm playing first base just because of some of the internal politics on the team. But uh, you know, anytime you what get shot. out, get in the first sunshine, base, one job. sweat it out, breathe first some fresh air. Just catch the ball. 
First base just catches the ball that third base throws to you. That's it. It's your only job. Yeah. Um, listen, um, I had a chance to, to hear you recently. You were you spoke at one of the conferences where I was attending, and 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 I love the energy around of saying, listen, there's phenomenal opportunities right now, um, but but I think people's mindset is getting in the way. What are you seeing right now post pandemic? And granted, these podcasts you want them to be a bit evergreen, but as we're coming out of it. Uh, what are, what are you seeing in terms of mindset, positive, negative, what's getting in people's way right now? What's getting in people's way right now is the media, the new media model of clickbait, which clickbait, if we define it, means the need to create fear and outrage. And so the traditional media has it, the social media has it. And so um, even though every tragedy, catastrophe, crisis always has corresponding hidden benefits, uh, people aren't recognizing them because they're getting fed such a steady diet of fear um, that they can't even think that way anymore. They're just petrified. They're frozen. They're procrastinating. They're, you know, laying in bed with the covers pulled over their head, waiting for the world to end, unfortunately. Who's doing it right? I mean, there, there are, as, as you said, I mean, there's winners in every downturn and for whatever reason, um, but it's, it's mindset, but it's more than that. Um, people actually taking action and doing some pretty exciting things. There's been some remarkable innovations that have come out of this time. Yeah, like we're recording the visual part of this podcast on Zoom, which is a platform in 2019 existed just like it did today, but one tenth of 1% of the population knew what it was. Now, 99.84250% know exactly what it is, right? Because Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Skype and all kinds of video conferencing are the direct benefits of a pandemic that had the world locked up at home, right? That's an example of just a hidden benefit that um, they're always there if you look for them, but unfortunately, not enough people are looking for them. Talk to me about your new book, Radical Rebirth. You've written uh, a number of books, dozen plus books and languages around, around the world. Um, what was it about Radical Rebirth? What was the message that you had um, that you felt the world needed to hear? I felt the world needed to hear that you can recreate yourself, that you can change your narrative, you can change your story. And even if you have a life you don't like, or you don't love, or even if you don't like yourself, or in some cases, even hate yourself, you can kill off the parts of you that you don't like, and you can recreate yourself. And so that, I felt like that book is really the, that's my 14th book, and I feel like it's the culmination of all 13 that I wrote before that. It's the thing that ties it all together because I've written books for marketers, I've written books for entrepreneurs, I've written prosperity books, 
And this was the whole package. Like this is how to look at the, the major areas of your life, the, whether it's God and religion, money and success, career and uh, work, uh, sex and sexuality, all of those things and say, what are my core foundational beliefs? Are those beliefs serving me or are those beliefs holding me back? And if they're holding me back, how can I destroy them and replace them with more empowering beliefs? And that's this, this process of radical rebirth that I call in the title, that you, you really do make yourself over. You've been known for a, a lot of years as this guru, as a, as a really powerful messenger for prosperity. Talk to us about the difference between prosperity and money or prosperity and wealth. How does one feed the other? Because clearly it's more than a mindset. It's the actions that come with it. Um, but talk to me about sort of that dichotomy uh, between prosperity and wealth. Where's the connection and where do they diverge? Yeah, they're so interrelated. That's why the basis of that last book was I picked six major areas because I thought and still think that all those areas are part of what we would call a holistic prosperity. Your, how to manifest a life of health, happiness, and abundance. And because any one of those areas can hold you back, like health, right? If you're not healthy, you're not prosperous. You could have more money than Elon and Bezos combined. If you're not healthy, you would trade all that money in an instant to get your wellness back. Right? Well, we saw that with Steve Jobs, right? You know, at the end of his life and, that, and the health problems that he had, he couldn't buy his way out of it. You can't. You can't buy your way out of it. So, but you don't want to go the other way and say, well, money doesn't matter. That's the mistake a lot of people have. It's just money or they're just things. No, let's recognize that it's this part of a holistic, whole animal, health, mental harmony, relationships, money, material things, spiritual grounding, all of those things make up prosperity. And um, when you're not firing on all the cylinders, you're not really manifest in the kind of prosperity that you're capable of. Let's be a little more tangible. So understanding that in terms of that, you've got to have your priorities straight. Um, talk about today's entrepreneurs. Talk about some of the opportunities that we're seeing in the marketplace. Um, as consumers are back out, you know, buying, consuming, contracting, um, they're gravitating to a new generation of businesses and entrepreneurs. Uh, who are doing things differently. Their mindset is different. Some of the traditional uh, businesses and vendors of the past that are falling by the wayside for no other reason than they just didn't recognize the changes that are happening. Talk to us about sort of this new generation of entrepreneurs that is that doing some really radical and creative things in the marketplace that's drawing the attention and the dollars of consumers. Health tech, huge. FinTech, huge. People who are looking at the developments like cryptocurrency and NFTs, the different model. Um, if you think like people say, well, retailers are having a hard time. And what about mom and pop retailers? You know, my answer is always, well, 
Is there any other business category you can think of that's still using the exact same business model they had 150 years ago and think that it still should be working? Right. <laughs> there isn't, right? Do, you know, it'd be like trying to run a travel agency the way you ran travel agencies in the 70s. It's not going to happen. This in nostalgia can't be a can't be a primary driver, right? Yeah, Just like because we're nostalgic for something. You know, we're we're both professional speakers, uh, speakers bureaus, right? This this is going to go the same way as travel agents. It's basically it's a dinosaur business model that doesn't reflect the reality of social media, the internet, blogs, tribe building, the the way like you know, in my case. Um, I'm directly connected to my tribe. I have a podcast, I have a blog, I have social media channels that announce my events and connect with them, right? So I get bureau business and I'm happy when I do, but if I was gonna sit around and wait for them to make me prosperous, I'd be insane because that's a business model that's going down, not going up. Talk to us about investing in your business. Um, I know that um, uh, you were talking about, um, and, and, I've, and I've read up on a lot, a lot of your, your writings as well, and there's a lot of people talking about debt and scarcity and, and the things that we should do to you know, not spend so much money on frivolous kinds of things as well. But there's a balance, isn't there? I mean, there's a balance for me. Um, my wife and I talk about this a lot. I don't want to live a life of deprivation um, in the quest for uh, uh, wealth at some future date or after death. Um, where do we, how do we find the balance? Um, because as consumers, clearly, you know, my audience and others as well, they want people to continue to spend. But, but what's your mindset? What's your philosophy in terms of, of how we spend and why we spend and and how do we do that more effectively to build that wealth, but also live a good life? Well, you threw out a lot of things there because you started with investing and then went into purchasing and then went into how we do both in a prosperous way. So let's try to take it step by step. Um, I'm totally against debt. One of the principles I teach is to become debt-free as quickly as you can. Um, but it makes sense to use debt when you can create leverage. So if you can buy a 12-unit apartment building that has a value of a million dollars and you can do it with only $100,000 down and you're creating that kind of leverage and the cash flow from that building is gonna pay off the note, hey, that's a prosperous way to use debt. That's a prosperous way to, you know, in, in my business, I'm always investing in online learning platforms. I'm investing in the back end, the IT part of my business, how I can deliver uh, my tangibles electronically, digitally. Um, I'm investing in marketing. Um, so I believe in investing where you're going to get that return on your investment. That's a whole different category than borrowing money to buy a new car, borrowing money to get a furniture set, a suite, you know, a dinette set or a new HD TV. That's probably not a prudent way to do debt. So 
the next part of your question about, you know, hey, when do we buy? What, how do you create that balance? I'm always looking for, is this going to really enhance my life? So I have no problem at all turning down a contract that might make me thirty dollars or $40,000 because it falls on a weekend when my softball team has playoffs or a tournament. Because that is one of the things that I, you know, light up about. I, the fact that I can still get out and play in the fresh air and the sunshine and challenge my body Perfect. and challenge my mind. That's important to me. So I'm willing to give up income for that. Um, but you need to say is, you know, find the things that really matter to you. I'm a tall guy, so it matters to me that I fly first class and I'm not in a seat designed for somebody who's five foot nine. Um, I have to be productive on the road. I'm speaking to 10,000 people. I don't want to do that after flying economy to Australia in the middle seat row 35 across from the lab. I'm not going to be able to. So, you know, uh, luxury travel is an important thing for me. If you're five foot six and you travel one time a year, it's probably it's not a little important. less important. Yeah, a little less yeah important. maybe your thing is you love motorcycles and you want a Harley Davidson or you're a skier and you want a, a separate, you know, a second home in the mountains at a ski resort. Uh, find the things that really matter to you and, you know, spend the money on those. And then just don't go for the instant gratification stuff. Go for the stuff that really adds meaning to your life. The stuff that creates memories with the people that you love. Tell me about your audience. Who, who loves Randy Gage? Who are the people that, that hang on your every word? And what are the things that not just you encourage them to do, but what are the businesses uh, that you see some real runway for in the coming years? Uh, you have tens of thousands who, who uh, probably far more that, that read your books and attend your, your presentations and follow your, your blogs and your, your podcasts. What do they do for a living? And what are they getting from you? I think my biggest market is entrepreneurs, people who are self-employed, a lot of people in direct selling, a lot of salespeople, and a lot of tech, high-tech people, uh, Silicon Valley types. Um, I do get um, corporate people, but I think the more forward-thinking ones who approach their job more with an entrepreneurial mindset. Sure. You know, at the essence of my work, it's always, I always believe everything comes down to this ultimate question. Do you want to be a victim or do you want to be a victor? And just like you opened up the talk with, hey, here we are in the end of this pandemic. Huh? That's what's happened over the last two years. Some people have chosen to become victims. Other people have chosen to become victors. So the people who take responsibility for their life and don't want to be victims. That's really my tribe. Talk to me about the shift. I mean, what, what did they go through? Listen, you and I have been around this game for a long time. Um, there's no shortage of, of, and you know, at all respect for the mountain climbers and the people that have overcome physical disabilities and transcended those things. Very, very inspiring stories. Um, 
but there's sometimes lacks, I, I think in my mind, a direct connection to what they're people are doing on a daily basis. What are the tools that you're giving these entrepreneurs and others? What's the shift that occurs as a result of the time with you, with your books and others as well, that helps them get past the blocks that they have? I'm the outside voice, like for the corporate clients I have where I'm on the retainer contracts, I'm their outside strategic advisor. They call me and say, hey, I, I don't know if my VP of marketing is right, or I don't know if I hired the right person for CFO. I have these problems with my board of directors or like when the pandemic happened, you know, I had people calling me, you know, in what, like March, 2020. And hey, right. I get my product from this country. They're talking about closing the border. And I was like, okay, listen, um, we're going to hang up the phone in three minutes from now. I want you to Google warehouse space. I want you to find some. I want you to drive there. I want you to buy the biggest uh, rent, the biggest, at least 35 to 40,000 square foot warehouse. I want you to place an immediate order. And I don't want to talk about what their particular product line sure. is that would betray a confidence. Um, but, and I was like, do that, then call me back in an hour. And that's what they did. And they got a warehouse. And then we put in an order for about $2 million worth of their product. And they got it across the border two days before the border was closed because of COVID. So they survived the business, you know, the pandemic, and they're still in business and now they can prosper. But had they not done that, they would have been out of business by June of 2020 because they would have had nothing, no inventory to sell, even though they had people in their market who want to buy their product line and they had the ability to deliver it during the pandemic. Um, so really, I'm just, uh, they pay me to help them think differently and challenge the way they think. I'm really big on the two superpowers, I believe, are deep thinking and multidisciplinary thinking. And that's what I'm trying to challenge the people I work with to, to do. Is, is it the opposite of those? I mean, are, are you offering a counter voice to those who are saying circle the wagons, those who are tapping on the brakes? Um, because clearly you come at it from a strategic perspective. I mean, it's not just saying, Hey, I'm the guy who's going to say, be bold, go for it. Uh, that you've got that strategic mindset as well. Um, but even for some of the, uh, the smaller entrepreneurs and the people who, who follow you and respect you and listen to you, what's the shift that's going on for them? Yeah, I'm definitely the guy who is saying, no, don't tap the brakes. No, put your, put your foot down on the accelerator. Um, I wrote a book in 2012, came out in 2013, called uh, Risky is the New Safe. And I was about how to peer around the corner and see what's happening in the future. And as I did the radio interviews to, you know, TV interviews to promote that book, I mean, the shows I was on, they just thought I was crazy because I was talking about these wacko ideas like Bitcoin and ride sharing apps and uh, exploration of, you know, vacationing on the moon and the ability to, you know, genetic engineering 
and breakup of the EU and things like that, that you look at them now and you say, well, of course, those, those are all obvious things, but they weren't, they weren't back then. Obvious. No, they weren't. They th then people thought I was crazy. And any futurist will tell you the future is already, it's always here. It's just not evenly distributed yet. I forget the guy's name who originally made that quote, but pretty much any futurist is going to adopt that philosophy. It's here already, right? Um, so you just have to say, okay, we know what the future is going to be. Take some critical thinking, sure. take some deep thinking, but it's there. The answers are there. And then you say, okay, so if that's the issue, what are the challenges that are going to come out of that issue? And if you can know what are the three things that keep your target market awake at night at 3 a.m., you'll never be out of work. You will never lack for clients. You will always have people crawling naked over broken glass to throw money at you because you help them solve problems and add value. Do you think we have an, uh, a greater tolerance or appetite for some of those innovations because we've seen such a rapid influx of some of those I, I somebody was saying that in many ways that COVID had accelerated what's long been predicted about how we're going to do business in a variety of capacities and the delivery and the real time everything um do you think people are, are less skeptical and more willing to embrace because they've seen how rapidly some of those things have come to fruition yeah i think there's some of that the the pandemic forced people to do that you know my mother is 80 something, maybe 85 now this year. And she shopped for groceries online for the first time in her life. She learned how to navigate websites for the first time in her life, right? Yeah. And that would not have happened if the pandemic didn't happen. So there is definitely some of that. The problem, I just wrote a blog on this the other day, um, about how we just automatically assume anything new and high tech is better, right. but that's not automatic. That's not always true. And that's why I believe one of the skills that what keeps me working, what keeps me in demand is my ability for critical thinking. And that's why I say multidisciplinary thinking and deep thinking these are the superpowers for creating prosperity in the new world because anybody, you know, not anybody, but most people can learn how to work with intelligent machines. So now we can, they can do stats and forecasting and they can assemble uh, all reams, you know, gigabytes of data and they can make certain assumptions on that. And that's what engineers do. That's what people, that's what uh, a lot of visionary leaders do. And then you have people who can do that without the machines, who can just say, you know, uh, the thing I wrote in the blog was like, so we say, well, it's, it's an advance because now our eight-year-old doesn't have to learn multiplication tables. We can teach them how to run a calculator on their smartphone, which right. of course every eight-year-old has a smartphone, right? And we say, well, that's, that's obviously progress, but maybe it's not because what happens in the brain development 
and the thinking process when a child has to learn multiplication tables. There's right. a benefit there that they're not getting with that smartphone. I remember and, having a conversation with, with my son about him being frustrated. Why do I have to learn this? I'll never use this again. I said, well, that's part of the learning is, is how do you learn to do things you don't want to do that you well, don't yeah, see the value of? The answer to him has to be because you're learning how to operate your brain. And that is something you are going to need to do again. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's that's the part that nobody's talking about. And I'm saying those are the people that are going to really be in demand in 2025 and 2030 and 2040 is the people who can do that critical thinking without the intelligent machines who can, you know, I schedule thinking time every week in my planner. And I have my uh, favorite little area on the sofa and I get my green tea and I get a notepad and a pen and I have no devices of any kind. And I think for 45 minutes. Um, and people today think like this is some quaint relic of the days of Marcus Aurelius and the Stoics and only sages and philosophers would want to do these kind of things. But I'm saying, no, that's what every entrepreneur in the world should be doing right now. As we wrap up, as we look to the future, where the real opportunities for entrepreneurs and others are, I like what you said before, and I'd love you to say a little bit more about the whole idea of, of recognizing what some of the new advancements, some of the new amenities, the new changes, anticipating what's coming. Because you're, you're right, we see the clues. I mean, for the futurists, it's not that they're they're wildly prognosticating the clues. I mean, there's elements of it are already here, and some of them we're adopting long available technologies just in a more broad way. But do you see it? as some of the real opportunities saying, look at all those advancements, those are new amenities, and those new conveniences. What challenges will those create for others, for competitors, for consumers in terms of implementation? Is that where some of the new services and the needs are going to come from? Is the ancillary challenges brought about by, by bigger changes? two approaches to this. One is, yes, that's what we need to do. We need to look around the corner and see what's coming next. But the other part of it, and the part that people forget, is we also have to look around the corner and say, what isn't going to change? What will still be the same five years from now, 10 years from now? Right? So like in the Risky book, one of the things I said was the World War III, the next World War III, is going to be streaming video. And obviously, you know, we're in a, a very delicate time right now. Russia's invaded Ukraine. If depending on when you're listening to this, if you're 10 years from now, right now, the world, we're talking about World War III in a much more serious sure. vein, right? So I don't mean to diminish that or whatever, but I'm just saying what I wrote in the book is like that's going to be the big business model coming up because there will be trillions of dollars at stake. Because you know what's not gonna change? What's not gonna change is there's gonna be millions of people who don't wanna think for themselves. There's gonna be millions of people looking for someone to tell them what to think. And millions of people who say, my life is just so fucking boring. Please 
give me some entertainment that I can sit in front of for the next six hours before I collapse and fall asleep. So I don't have to think about my life of quiet desperation until tomorrow at 6.30 when the alarm goes off, right? Right. And so Amazon is spending $500 million in Lord of the Rings, a TV show, right? That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about they just bought MGM. They just closed right. on that, like 8 billion bucks or 13 billion bucks. I don't remember what they paid for that. You have Marvel and you know Disney buying Marvel, Disney buying Star Wars for $4 billion purchases. And those were bargains, right? Disney probably made back their $4 billion on Star Wars in two years. And now they've probably made 80 billion since then. And they're going to make another 500 billion after that, right? Um, because they recognize, hey, that isn't going to change. People want escape, people, right? So you look at the things like that. And so there's a positive way to do this. And obviously there's a negative way to do that. But so you're, you know, you you just look for, okay, what are the things that are going to change and create demand? And what are the things that are not going to change? And that's why I, I just think, you know, Jeff Bezos might be the savviest entrepreneur who has ever walked on planet Earth. When I just look at the moves that he's made up to this point. And, you know, if you read his shareholder letters, which are legendary, most, you know, like they teach college courses on just his annual letter to shareholders. And I don't know, it was probably five, six years ago. I remember he talking about, hey, you know, let's talk about what's not going to change. People are going to want stuff delivered fast. They're going to want free shipping. They're going to want econ economical prices. You know, the more we can develop this scale and bring down our unit costs and bring down our delivery costs. And if we electrify the fleet, we use drones for delivery and we invest in AWS. And it was just visionary, but visionary, not just of the things that are going to change, but the things that remain the same. And um, that's part of the equation every entrepreneur has to think about, both sides of that coin. Talking to Randy Gage. Randy, if people want to get in touch with you and learn more about you or follow you or your books or others as well, how do they get in touch with you? All right. Uh, don't look for me on social media. I closed down all my accounts and I'm no longer live there. Uh, randygage.com is kind of my Starfleet command site and you can find my blog there and my podcast there and whatever live events or anything I'm doing there. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much. Listen, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Like I said, we've been in each other's orbit for a long time and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to sit down. Hang on for a second. Uh, we'll talk on the other side of this real quickly. Um, you can pick up my copy, copy of my new book, the morning huddle, powerful customer experience conversations to wake you up and shake you up and win more business. And all my other ones for those watching the video version of this are strategically located next to my head here as well. Um, all books on Amazon. Be sure to click to like this podcast, subscribe, leave your comments below and click the little bell icon to receive notifications of new episodes. And you can learn more about my keynote speaking and consulting at davidaverin.com. 
Thanks for tuning in. This is the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. Check out past episodes, leave a comment. Big thanks to my guest, Randy Gage, and thanks to uh, all my subscribers as well. I'm David Avern. Be good. This has been the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Avrin. Feel free to leave a comment and be sure to hit the thumbs up button. You can listen to past episodes and be notified of future ones by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. David's popular marketing and customer experience books are available in print as well as Kindle and audiobook and published in multiple languages around the world. You can stay connected and learn more at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.